We are believers in Jesus Christ. Our position is that we are saved forevermore. But on the practical side of things, we got to figure out how we're going to live this out in our life, where the rubber meets the road. And that's where we seem to have our biggest issues, is it not? You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. This week we find ourselves in Colossians chapter 3. We've got into the practical section of the book of Colossians. I was thinking the school of ministry, when I was in the school of ministry, they taught us to keep your uh, sermon titles sweet and short. One, because they fit in bulletins really nice. And especially on back in the day, it was tape labels. Today, it's CD labels. Soon, there's not even going to be CDs, I don't think, anymore. But um, just keep it short. And so I'm reading through the passage, and my first title was not short and sweet. My first title was this, Living with a Heavenly Perspective in the Mist of a Fallen World. We could have squeezed that into the bulletin, no doubt, gave its own line. The CD would have been a little more difficult, so I simply called it Our Heavenly Perspective. But I want us to keep that thought of living with the heavenly perspective in the midst of a fallen world. I'll keep reminding you of it so you won't forget it. But this is how we are to conduct ourselves. In the first two chapters, we've seen the positional side of our sanctification in Jesus Christ. It means that the position that we already have in Christ Jesus our Lord, once we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, we are saved. We will go to heaven. We will be with Jesus. He is our heavenly reward. All these things consist of that position that we have in Christ Jesus. Now, chapters 3 and 4 Paul deals with the practicality of these things, how we live it out in the midst of this fallen world. As I was thinking about this, I thought of the idiom that originated with race car driving. You've heard it before. It's where the rubber meets the road. It doesn't matter how pretty that car is or how the engine purrs off the racetrack. What matters is what happens when it gets on the racetrack. When it's there on the racetrack, it's where practical reality or the crucial test takes place where problems are dealt with and where issues will arise. And that's how it is for us in life. We have a position in Christ Jesus. We are believers in Jesus Christ. Our position is that we are saved forevermore, but on the practical side of things, we got to figure out how we're going to live this out in our life, where the rubber meets the road. And that's where we seem to have our biggest issues, is it not? It's the difficulties that we face 
every day. And so in order to help us to live with this heavenly perspective in the midst of this fallen world, I've broken verses 1 through 11 into three sections, which are seek and set, death and wrath, and put off and put on. I could have continued on into verse 12 because as we'll see when we get to the third point, the idea of putting on, well, he picks up that theme in verse 12, begins to tell us how to do that. But if I would have jumped into verse 12, I would have had to do 13, 14, and when will the message end? And sometimes you guys think that, when will this message end? So we'll get back to it next week. We'll look at the practical side of putting on next week as this message will continue. But this week, I want us to really set our minds on things above. And let's go ahead and look at the context and ask God to bless the teaching. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life was hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them, but now you yourself are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his desires and you've put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we ask that you would be with us now, Lord, as we look into your word. May you bless the teaching of your word to our souls this day. And Lord, Father, we pray on the practical side of things. Help us, Lord, to gain a greater understanding of how we're to put off the things of this world, that we might put on the things of Christ and live with this heavenly perspective in the midst of this fallen world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So verses one through four, we first notice that we need to seek and set. And verse one tells us that if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And he begins by reminding us of an earlier truth that was found in Colossians 2.12. He says, being buried with him in baptism, which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, that we have been raised with Christ. And we talked about that as we went through that portion of Colossians chapter 2, where Christ himself, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that we have identified as believers, we've identified with those things, that we have been buried with him, because he died for our sins, not any sin that he had committed, because he's without sin. Because we have acknowledged his death, then that death has been put on our account spiritually. We have died with him in the sense that 
Um, We have reckoned the old man or old woman dead, that it no longer lives for the things of this world. We've acknowledged Christ, not only his death, but his burial and his resurrection, that we have been raised up to walk in newness of life. And so Paul says, then you were raised with Christ. We're raised to live differently than we had conducted ourselves before. Remember, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the practical side of things. We are to conduct ourselves as Christians in the midst of this fallen world, and it's becoming more difficult as each day passes, it seems, to be openly truthful about your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, today it seems like it will get you in trouble. It may get you fired, as I read a uh, report this week of a man in Indiana who was fired. They said it wasn't about his Christian faith, but because he was making a co-worker uncomfortable. It was about his Christian faith. It's because he was sharing the love of Jesus Christ with his co-workers, and they were uncomfortable about that. We get challenged whether in the courtroom or in the court of life, but those challenges are coming, so we need to determine how we're going to live out the faith and realize Paul is writing while in prison. He knows the challenges. We might say to Paul, well, Paul, you just don't understand how it is. I'm in jail because of my faith. I know how it is. Through faith, we have joined ourselves with Jesus and his burial, his resurrection, and we've been raised to live. And this means to testify of the life that we now live in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, we're to seek those things which are above. And I love it how he worded this, where Christ is. Christ is in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God. You realize every time they refer to Jesus being in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, he's always sitting except for one occasion. We read about in scripture when Stephen was stoned to death, it tells us that Stephen looked up and he said, I see the heavens open and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. But the Lord is there at the right hand of God, whether sitting or standing, the Lord is at the right hand of God. It speaks of his approval. It speaks of his authority. And we have been given that same approval, that same authority through Christ Jesus, our Lord, that one day we will see our Lord in that heavenly perspective. We'll be there. We'll see it. Therefore, we need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. Too much of our time is spent on the things of this earth and not on the things of the Lord. Uh, We have an earthly perspective, and sometimes I think we... Take Jesus as an insurance policy. Many people do. And they accept Jesus as a child, perhaps. And they fulfill the obligations that whatever church they may be going to requires for them. And then they don't think much about the Lord from that point forward. Once the obligations have been fulfilled, they perhaps might show up once or twice a year. You know, the big days are Christmas and Easter. Again, in their mindset, they're fulfilling obligations of that commitment that they made many years ago. But other than showing their face every once in a while in the church, well, they're really not living with a heavenly perspective. They're living with an earthly perspective, like that insurance policy. Many years ago, when Lily and I, when we were in our mid-20s, we got life insurance. Back then, it was just in case, just in case something would happen to one or both of us. 
that the other remaining living spouse would have some funds to help themselves or also the if we had both died that our kids would whoever would take care of them would have funds to make sure that they were taken care of we've kept up that policy we still have insurance policy we pay it and you'd have to ask lily if that's automatic withdrawal or not i don't think much about it i just know it's something that we do i just know that there's been you know 50 bucks a month or whatever it is going toward the just-in-case policy. I don't think much about that life insurance. I don't think much about the amounts. I'm not looking forward to receiving it because it's life insurance. And if you're on the receiving end of that life insurance, it means, for me, it would mean that Lily has died. Or for Lily, it would mean that I had died. And so it's a policy we have out there that we don't pay a lot of attention to, but we have it nonetheless. And I think Some people view Christianity as that. It's a policy they have out there. They don't pay a lot of attention to Christ. But in their minds, they're thinking that they've secured eternal salvation. And yet, I fear that for many of them, they'll discover that they've missed some payments in life, you know? It'd be like having your insurance policy and skipping a few payments and still expecting that it's going to be there. But I only missed... Over 30 years, I only missed 15 payments. What do you mean it's been nulled? It's no good anymore. And the Lord wants us to seek those things which are above. Also to set our mind in verses 2 and 3. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so our positional sanctification, the position that we have in Christ, we have died, not physically, of course, but it's, it's referring to a death of self. We have died to ourselves that we might surrender our lives to the Lord and live for Christ. And far too often people seek Jesus as that uh, eternal security, that insurance policy, but neglect to make Jesus the Lord of their life. They live for self and not dying to self and we must serve God alone and by doing so we'll discover that he'll provide for these things on this earth the food the drink Jesus dealt with this in his day when he told the people in Matthew 6 31 and 30 through 34 therefore do not worry about what shall we eat what we shall drink what we shall wear for all these things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things but Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will have its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. How often we are fretting over tomorrow and we haven't even gotten through the day yet. But we're to seek first the kingdom of God. God has given us a valuable truth here. It doesn't mean that as some prosperity gospel preachers might preach that if you seek first the kingdom of God that you'll gain wealth and prosperity upon this earth that would never be equal to if you had neglected to seek God first what it means is that God will provide for those needs that you have God will bring provision in your life and I've seen the Lord provide in marvelous and wonderful ways not only for this church but for my own life, that God brings the provision when needed, sometimes at the very last hour, when you are fretting about those things. 
We're to keep seeking first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. In doing so, we'll find that we're not only laying up our treasures in heaven, but we'll find that the Lord will be providing for us while we're here on this earth. It doesn't mean that you sit back and you do nothing. And, you know, I think provision often the Lord has provided through the work of my hands. One year was a very difficult year. It was in the mid-80s, and there wasn't a lot of work out there. And the year prior to that, as a brick mason, I worked, well, I think I was on an unemployment for eight months. So I lost most of the year on unemployment that year. I remember that, you know, they gave you six months, and then you, I had to renew it because I had ran out of unemployment. So it was a difficult time, and then things began to change, and I was able to secure work again, and God continued to provide and such. And then there was a year where I believe the year started with my boss retiring and going out of business. And that's how the year began. And so he was done with the trade and decided that he would uh, still work in the trade. So he found a job with a friend of his and took me with him because he liked me so much. Once I got down in the city, this company made their living on doing the worst possible masonry repairs in the world, ever, ever. It was bad work. <laughs> I lasted three weeks. I hated three weeks of this work. Remember the Home Alone church, the very first movie, Home Alone? I've dug in the pit of that church an elevator shaft in the hardest clay that you would ever imagine while the foreman was just watching and telling us, without lending a hand, there was only two guys there. I was comforted knowing that was the last day I ever worked for that company. I was a bricklayer. A bricklayer is not supposed to be digging hardened clay out of the bottom of a church unless I'm doing it for the Lord, and that was just for the paycheck that day. And I never went back for that job. But years later, a friend of mine was working with the laborer who was in that hole with me, and recounting the worst day of his life. And guess what that worst day was? <laughs> Very same day. So it was a bad day for both of us. At the end of that year, when all was said and done, I had nine W-2s. I had to work for nine different employers. It was the best year that I had had financially to that point in my life. And the last job that I ended up with was the job that I'd end up sticking with for several years until I moved to California, and you realize that, God, you do provide. And sometimes it's through our persistence, and things don't seem to be working out, and you're going from job to job. You're, that's the only job I ever walked away from, but I walked away from it with starting a new job the next day. So it was like uh, I quit, and I didn't have anything ready to go. I actually had another job in waiting, and, and when that job ran out, nine W-2s God provided. And during this whole time, you know, I'd, I'd been increasing and seeking the Lord, and, and the Lord was just ramping up my faith and building my faith. And I think sometimes we need to do that, seek and to set our mind on things above and realizing that the Lord's going to provide, he's going to take care of. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but we're looking forward to that day, verse 4, where Christ is our life, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We're doing all this, we're going through these difficulties, 
that we find in this life that one day we realize that the Lord is coming and we're going to be with him in glory. John even wrote about this in 1 John 3, 2. He says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. It has not been revealed yet that we should be. He's basically saying, I don't know what we're going to look like when we get to heaven. But this I do know. When he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Christ, who is our life, and I love how Paul phrases these words, Christ, who is our life, it causes me to think, to whom does your life belong? If you're seeking and setting your minds on the things of the earth, then Christ is not your life. But if you're seeking and setting your minds on things above where Christ is, then Christ is your life. Jesus said to Martha in John 11, 25 and 26, that I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked Martha and she said, yes, Lord, I believe. She was focusing in on the eternal aspect of life. And Jesus was getting ready to do such a wonderful work for Martha and Mary to bring Lazarus back from the dead. Paul encourages us to seek and to set our minds on things above, and he does it again in Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, where he says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform this lowly body that we may be conformed into his glorious body, according to the working to which he is able to subdue all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. I think for the majority of us here, if not all, our citizenship here on this earth is in the United States. It used to mean a lot more than it does these days, but still, we're citizens of the United States. And wherever we go throughout the world, we represent that. We have our passport. You have to, you know, you go to a different country, you have to show the passport, to show to whom you belong. And Paul says, he was a Roman citizen, remember? But he says, our citizenship is in heaven. So we're representing Christ Jesus, our Lord. And to have this heavenly perspective should cause us to seek those things which are above, to set our minds on the things where our lives have been hidden with Christ. Jesus, in his great priestly prayer of John 17, in verses 20 through 23, Jesus prayed these words. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. And they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Having this healthy, heavenly perspective should cause us to put off the old life in order that we might put on the new life that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So as we close out, like a race car on race day, we are upon the raceway of life where the rubber meets the road. 
where practical sanctification takes place. Therefore, to ensure that this sanctification does take place in our lives, we must have a healthy, heavenly perspective, which causes us to seek those things which are above, to set our minds on the things above where our lives have been hidden in Christ. It also causes us to put to death or to mortify the fleshly appetites, remembering that we once walked in such things that are bringing God's wrath upon this unbelieving world. And finally, we're to put off the old life in order that we might put on the new that is found through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Father, thank you for your word that you have given to us today. We pray, Lord, that you would bless the teaching of your word to our souls. Lord, that we would live with this heavenly perspective in the midst of this fallen world, and that others might see Christ and that you might be glorified through our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.